Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The Prime Minister remains in hospital. He's been given regular updates on developments and he continues to lead the government. Spain's death toll drops for the fourth day running. Health Minister Salvador Illa said Monday's figures showed that Spain's lockdown regime was working. And the fashion brands turning their hands to hospital scrubs. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The government hasn't been able to use a single one of the three and a half million antibody tests it ordered after they failed safety testing. Downing Street will seek refunds from companies that can't improve the failed tests intended to determine whether a person has suffered from coronavirus and could therefore be immune. Downing Street will seek refunds from companies that can't improve the failed tests. They're intended to determine whether a person has suffered from coronavirus and could therefore be immune. Ten days ago, Public Health England had said widespread antibody testing could be implemented within days. But today, Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty said the tests would be most useful at a later stage in the UK's battle with the virus. At this point in time, we would expect quite a small proportion of the population has probably got antibodies. Uh, but over time, and there's two reasons for that, there's the proportion actually infected And then there's a period of time between someone getting an infection and antibodies being routinely available, routinely detectable. So they are, they do tend to be uh, more effective later in the system, in in the epidemic. I am very confident we will um, develop antibody tests, uh, whether they be lab-based or uh, dipstick-based, over the uh, next period. I'm very confident of that. Boris Johnson has called the tests a game changer, but does having the virus once guarantee you can't get it again? Microbiologist Dr Simon Clark says it's not that simple. There have been reports of people getting infected a second time and some people have suggested that this might mean that they never really cleared the virus in the first place. Either way, it suggests to me that their immune response was not particularly strong the first time around. Some people have asserted that it's impossible to get the virus a second time, but while they might be right, there's absolutely no data to support this. It's just a guess. If there's a risk of reinfection, it calls into question the purpose of antibody testing, and it also has implications for developing a vaccine. The Prime Minister was notably absent from the government's daily press conference. Boris Johnson is still suffering the symptoms of coronavirus after being admitted to hospital on Sunday, more than a week after he first tested positive for the disease. He remains under observation at St Thomas's in London, where he's continuing to work on his official papers from his hospital bed. In a tweet, he said he was in good spirits after being taken to St Thomas's to undergo routine tests. The Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab is standing in for the Prime Minister, but admitted they hadn't spoken since Saturday. 
European countries badly hit by the virus are preparing to ease their lockdowns amid hopes the crisis may have peaked. Over the weekend and on Monday, Italy reported its lowest death tolls in two weeks and France saw its fewest deaths in a week. Austria has already announced it'll begin to ease its lockdown from next Tuesday. Meanwhile, Spain's fatalities dropped for a fourth consecutive day. And today, the foreign minister announced plans to widen coronavirus testing to include people without symptoms as a first step towards slowly easing the lockdown. The nation currently has the second highest global death toll. James Badcock sent me this report from Madrid. Suddenly, victory was in sight. Spain's daily death tally from COVID-19 fell on Monday for the fourth straight day to 637. While still a terrible toll of human loss, it is a dramatic improvement considering it was only last Thursday that a new 24-hour record of 950 was set. A thousand dead in a day looked possible as the government came under fire. While remaining prudent, Health Minister Salvador Illa said Monday's figures showed that Spain's lockdown regime was working. Under the rules in force for the last three weeks, Spaniards cannot leave home except to buy basic supplies, unless they are key workers. Three more weeks of the same beckon, although more workers may be allowed to return to their jobs after the Easter weekend. While the desperate fight in the hospital trenches seems to be turning Spain's way, there are still many more battles to be won before the country can safely transition back to normality. That transition is now the focus of government planning. Massive purchases of rapid testing kits and protective equipment are being made. The plan is to screen parts of the population and protect citizens, possibly by advising everyone to wear face masks in public places. A list of hotels, sports arenas and the like is being drawn up to create large quarantine spaces for those who test positive and cannot effectively self-isolate at home. If Spain has now turned the corner in its war on the coronavirus there is still some serious cost-counting to be done. The official death toll, currently at 13,000, may have to be revised as many have died without being diagnosed, either in their homes or in care facilities. And Spain's health system will need time to recover and be ready for a second wave, should that prove necessary. More than 19,000 health workers have themselves been infected with COVID-19, and at least a dozen have died. A tiger at a New York zoo has tested positive for the virus in what's believed to be the first known infection in an animal in the United States. The tiger and six other big cats who've also fallen ill are believed to have been infected by a zookeeper who wasn't yet showing symptoms. It sparked concern amongst pet owners that their animals could contract the virus. But earlier I spoke to vet Pete Wedderburn, who thankfully says pet owners needn't worry. There have been over a million confirmed human cases so far, many of whom live with their pets. And there have only been four cases, three dogs in Hong Kong and one cat in the Netherlands, where there has been limited evidence of some type of associated viral infection. And even in those cases, the dog showed no sign of illness and the cat had only mild signs that could have easily been caused by something else. So the situation with pets is utterly different to humans. People should simply carry on living with their pets as normal. The one simple tip is that if you are actively ill with a high temperature and a cough, you should ask someone else to care for your pet. Vets have always said that this should apply whenever anyone is unwell with any disease. It just makes good hygienic common sense. So the message is it's very rare for pets to get coronavirus. It's not a big risk. 
you can really carry on as normal unless you're ill. But Pete, the virus is thought to have jumped from animals in the first place in a Chinese wet market. Is there any chance it could jump again from pets to their owners? This was an exceptional environment, with wild animals being slaughtered close to humans and presumably blood droplets splattering, contacting people's mouths, noses and eyes and being swallowed and inhaled. Such situation is not likely to happen again and in any case, there's never been any suggestion that any animals can carry the viral infection in their bloodstream or secretions or excretions. Over the weekend, Public Health England strengthened its rules regarding personal protective equipment, also known as PPE. Any clinician coming within two metres of a patient with suspected or confirmed COVID-19 will now be expected to wear eye protection, an apron, surgical mask and gloves. The previous rule was one metre only for confirmed patients and didn't include eye protection. But it comes amid widespread reports of supply shortages. In a show of solidarity, British fashion designers have started lending a hand, redirecting their production lines to make gowns, masks and medical scrubs. Joining me now is The Telegraph's senior fashion editor, Emily Cronin. Emily, who's making this PPE? What's interesting is that in a very short amount of time, we've seen the answer to this question switch from no one to so many people and so many brands getting involved in the production of PPE. I spoke with four of these designers. I spoke with Phoebe English, who has banded together with fellow independent designers Holly Fulton and Bethany Williams to form the Emergency Designer Network. They're producing hospital scrubs and maybe masks eventually. Natasha Zinko, who's using offcuts from her studio to create really colorful printed masks designed for couriers and other key workers. Vin and Omi, the designers who have used nettles from Prince Charles's estate in past collections, they're urging everyone who's at home with a sewing machine to just sew a mask. So far, they've made 800. And finally, Patrick Grant, the Great British Sewing Bee judge and owner of Etots and Community Clothing, among other brands, he has retooled the entire Cookson & Clegg factory to produce medical scrubs. Obviously, designing scrubs isn't the same as high fashion. What challenges are these designers facing? One of the challenges is that this is a matter of individuals with no previous involvement in the medical sphere, effectively reconstituting or seeking to reconstitute supply chains that were very well established before coronavirus threw everything into disarray. Another challenge is, of course, the raw material. For designers like Vin and Omi, um, and, and Natasha Zinko, they have studios, they have offcuts. I mean, masks are not huge. You can use a small piece of fabric that might have been left over from the manufacture of a shirt or a skirt or dress. But when we're talking about medical masks, those are made with what Phoebe English described to me as very specialist non-woven fabrics, fabrics that are designed not to breathe, not like linen or cotton, not to have these holes in the warp and the weft. And as, as Patrick Grant told me, there are supply chain issues here. We want the masks, which are produced overseas, uh, but so does everyone else in the world. And by the way, all of the factories making those masks have been closed or, or hampered in their production. So the next thing that people want is to get the fabric so they can make the mask themselves. Well, can't get that either. One of the suppliers of the fabric told Patrick that his full allocation was spoken for until February 2021. All right, well, how about getting the machines that make the fabric, that make the masks? Well, no one wants to sell those. And as Patrick said, we are at the back of the queue. 
I think it's also worth pointing out how kind of noble it is that these designers and business owners have turned their eye toward what they can do to help at a time when their own businesses are really in peril. Very few people are shopping right now. Stores are closed. Uh, Fashion shows, producing future collections, it's all in question. And Phoebe told me that her business was very precarious due to these instabilities, but she said she's trying not to think of that. She said, there are some things that are more important than our dresses, and we're focusing our energies on that. Before I go, The Telegraph is on the lookout for new young talent. If your child is aged between 11 and 16 and dreams of being a writer, our Journalists of Tomorrow competition might be just the task to shake them out of their lockdown blues. All they have to do is write a 600-word story on the subject of springtime or as many 600-word stories as they like. There's no limit on the number of entries you can make, but you do have to be based in the UK or Northern Ireland. The winning entries will be published in the paper and on our website. I'll put a link in the show notes where you can find all the details. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll be back on Tuesday evening with another update. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with all of The Telegraph's news, analysis and advice from all of the journalists you've heard today and many, many more, completely free for your first 30 days and for just £3 a week after that. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio.